0: WTBN Pinellas Park, W262CP Bayonet Point.
1: Brought to you by Moss Nissan. Simply portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse. Sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries.
0: Now, folks, I I say that because I I believe that that a lot of us pray for unsaved but have never thought about why. That ought to be the highest motivation. And And that fulfills the spirit of what Jesus was saying. Pray to the Father, hallowed be your name. Not those words, but pray for others to hallow his name. You know what? That certainly motivated the Apostle Paul. When Paul came to Athens, remember it says in Acts 17, verse 16, it says he saw the idolatry of that city and says he was provoked. Provoked. That means deeply disturbed. Paul was troubled. He was troubled because as he looked around that city, city of great culture, culture of philosophy, the arts, literature, the cradle of democracy, Paul was deeply disturbed because of their idolatry. Paul Paul didn't see a city of culture he saw a city of idols and it grieved him and he was moved to preach the gospel even before his colleagues got there that's what what moved paul paul didn't see athens as simply a city of lost people he saw he saw it as a city in which god's name was not being hallowed by these lost people
1: good morning and welcome to verse by verse we're glad you could join us today We're about to launch into the final third of Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff's second lesson on the Lord's Prayer. It's a six-message series, which will give us a deeper understanding of this perfect model prayer that is recorded in Matthew chapter 6. Since 1981, Pastor Steve has ministered and taught at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. God has blessed his ministry, and Verse by Verse Ministries is our tool for sharing Pastor Steve's clear expository teaching with a greater audience. Pastor Steve has been teaching on the Lord's Prayer. While our main text has been in Matthew chapter 6, let's get ready to turn now to 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 1 as we begin our class today. Let's be ready if possible to take notes and to follow along in our own Bibles. Pastor Steve is sharing some thoughts on the idea of hallowing or making holy God's name. When we say hallowed be your name, we're really making a commitment to be obedient to Him and live lives that glorify Him. Let's listen now as Pastor Steve explains.
0: 1 Timothy 6.1, I want you to know whether you realize it or not, an unsaved world is looking at you. How you behave in your home, you think it's uh, just between my wife and myself, just between my husband and myself. No, no, it's not. It's not. You think what I do at work, that's only between the Lord and me. No, it's not. Look at First Timothy 6.1. All who are under the yoke as slaves are to regard their own masters as worthy of all honor so that, here's the reason, so that the name of God and our doctrine Will not be spoken against. Slaves were to treat their masters, respond properly, respectfully, submissively, so that, he says, the name of God and what we teach would not be spoken against. Now, we don't live in a culture of slaves, but we do live in a culture of employees to employers. How you conduct yourself at work has a direct bearing on whether God's name is honored or not. If you're lazy, you don't put in enough hours if you criticize all the time if you have a bad attitude if you don't listen to your boss if you a, a number of things whatever it is if if you don't behave properly at work then others unsaved they're not going to hallow god's name their their attitude is going to be well if he's a christian and he has that kind of attitude i'm not interested in hearing about his faith if he's not honest if he doesn't have integrity why do i want to hear about his faith what what good does it do It's nothing. And so God's name is not hallowed. Two books over. Titus chapter two. Look how practical this this gets. Titus two, beginning at verse three. Older women. Now notice he didn't say old women, folks. He said older women. I don't know what that exactly means. But it means that, I know this, it means that it's an older woman, older than somebody. Mature women. Likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. How a Christian woman behaves in her home, how she conducts her life, how she handles her marriage, the way she raises her children, how she responds to her husband, all have a bearing on whether God is honored or or dishonored, whether he's hallowed or not hallowed. So please don't think that whatever goes on in your life doesn't really affect other people. It does. More importantly, it affects God. It has far-reaching implications. You cannot sin in a vacuum. Whatever, wherever you fall, in your life. Wherever I fall, it affects God's name being hallowed. And so if we know this, then how should we be praying? If we know this, how should we be praying? First of all, we should be praying for our own personal holiness. There are things in our lives that need to be right. Praying for our own holiness to hallow God's name in our own lives, and so others would also Hallow his name. It also means we pray for the holiness of other Christians. Where we see other Christians not living the way they should, we have a responsibility to pray that they would. And we need to be very specific. And that means we are tangible, we are specific in asking God to help these believers to obey him in the various areas of life, like marriage, work, the way we handle stress, adversity, moral purity, the way we speak to people that will be gracious and kind and patient with our words financial dealings, honesty. Now, let me just open my heart for a moment to you and, and tell you how, how one way that I am personally praying for some believers in our church to hallow God's name. Uh, I try never to take advantage of the, the pulpit. I don't want to uh, use it as a bully pulpit, but I think this is very applicable, and I never want to force something, but I think that this that this is very pertinent, and I know I have your attention. I know that. I realize that some folks in our church have had a difficult time recently with some of the music we've been singing. But the songs that we've been singing, if you look at the words, have some of the most biblical praise and worship music we have ever sung at Lakeside. And I can say that dogmatically because I've been here for many, many years. And that's precisely why we sing these songs. We sing them, note this, not to cater to an age group. We sing to hallow God's name, to worship our glorious God with music that treats him as the exalted one that he is. You see, contrary to what some people might think, singing in the church has absolutely nothing, catch this, nothing to do with the kind of music we like or we prefer. It has nothing to do with music we're comfortable with, music we uh, were raised listening to. It is absolutely irrelevant. It has nothing to do with whether a song is contemporary or whether it was written over 100 years ago. All of that is irrelevant. Why? Because we don't sing for our benefit. We sing for the Lord, we sing about the Lord, and we sing to the Lord. And I want to show you this in scripture. If you look at Ephesians chapter five, Ephesians chapter five. In context, Paul is saying to the Ephesians, he said, Be filled with the Spirit, which means be obedient to the Word of God, because this is the Spirit's book. Be, be filled with the Spirit, be under his control. Let him dominate you by obedience to the Word. And Paul goes on to say some of the evidences of a spirit filled Christian. How do you know if someone's spirit-filled? Not because they say I'm spirit-filled. There's going to be certain evidence in their life. Verse 19 has to do with music and singing. Verse 19 says, speaking to one another, note this, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, let me stop here and say what Paul is saying. These are three, um, and I'm not sure how distinct they always are, but there are some distinctions. These are three types of, of music that ought to be sung by God's people. Psalms would essentially mean scripture songs. They're, the, the Jewish people and the early church sang the Psalms of the Old Testament. Hymns are similar to Psalms, except uh, they're not in, inspired, and uh, they're probably more focused on the person and work of Christ. And then spiritual songs are anything else. Anything else, praise songs, uh choruses, gospel songs, things of that nature, it's just songs that have a spiritual message to them about the Lord. But watch this, singing and making melody with your heart, where? To the Lord, to the Lord. You realize that? To the Lord. It's not about, it's not about us, it's not about targeting a group. Um, someone recently suggested to me that, uh, We have a contemporary service and that way young people can have their music and the others can have their music. And I said, we would never do that. And we would never do that because according to Paul, we're to be singing a variety of of songs. I would never want the young people not to know about the great hymns of the faith. And by the way, those are some of the songs we're singing, though it may not, may not open the hymn book there. That's some of the songs we're singing. And I would never want other folks to uh, to just think that we're targeting one group. We're to sing all. And by the way, let me just add, I didn't even say this in the early service, but this this is free of charge. I'm throwing out. Some of the things that people think, some sacred songs they think are great hymns of the faith, most of those songs are not technically hymns anyway. They're, they're, they're gospel songs. They're, they're from the uh, D.L. Moody, Ira Sankey era. A hymn technically has probably not been a hymn written in the last 100 years, a true hymn. A gospel song was an evangelistic song. Ira Sankey was D.L. Moody's uh, song leader, and he decided you have to have, if you're going to reach this generation, you're going to have more popular music. So what he basically did, they took barroom tunes and put gospel songs, music to them. They were evangelistic. Quite frankly, they did not have the doctrine of the great hymns. They were somewhat, shall I say, fluffy and popular. And, um, they, they, some of those songs are just absolutely silly. They, they, they are silly. They are rather mystical and subjective. They're not hymns. Just because songs are in a hymn book doesn't mean that they're, that they're hymns. And so what I, what I want you to understand is that music, music ought not to be reserved contemporary songs for, for, for young people. And nor should older folks not be, not be exposed to some of the new great music coming out because The spirit of scripture is that we're to sing. God wants us to sing a variety of songs. But the most important thing to note is that we don't sing our preferences. We sing to him. We sing to him. That's what Paul said. We are to make melody with our hearts to the Lord. It's not about us. And my prayer is that those who complain and criticize about music and some who even stay out of the auditorium until the music is over, we'll see how self-centered their thinking is because that's exactly what it is. They're not thinking about the Lord. In fact, and the reason I bring this up is because they are not hallowing God's name. They are not joining us in lifting up our voice to hallow his, his name. They are really, and this is what grieves me the most, they are, they are depriving God of being worshiped. They are saying, in essence, I will only worship you, God, with the music I feel comfortable worshiping you with. And in addition to that, in addition to that, not coming in and joining us in in praise is a rotten testimony to visitors and to the unsaved. In our in our church, it it really says it really says this is what I think about God. I refuse to worship Him in um, in a variety of music. It has to be what I'm comfortable with. And and folks, that's that's wrong. That's just wrong. My prayer is that they'll recognize how wrong it is, and so they will hallow God's name in praise and worship. And as um, our younger folks tell us, just get over yourself. Get over yourself. That's what it is. That's what it is. It's not about us. It's not about our preferences. It's about him. So I say that because I think it's relevant, but I also say that to illustrate, that's what I'm talking about in praying that God's name would be hallowed. You see areas in your own life that need to be changed. You pray, you apply the word, you see areas in other people's lives. And I, and I hope you understand I'm saying this in, in love because I, I want People, not to be happy in our church, but to be holy in our church. God really doesn't care whether you're happy or not. He does care whether you're holy. And holiness is what we ought to be praying for in the lives of of people when we see things that are wrong. That's the spirit of what Jesus meant. Hallowed be your name. And so how we treat the Father with reverence and honor has an impact on how others revere his name, we, our testimony to a skeptical world would be, uh, he would be hallowed as we would enhance his reputation by obedience.
1: May God be glorified. May his name be revered through our music. But not just our music. May he be glorified in our work and our leisure, in our successes and in our pain, in our relationships with others, and in our obedience to him in every aspect of our daily lives. Say, if you've just tuned in, let us take a moment to introduce ourselves. You're listening to Verse by Verse. Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff is our instructor in this Radio Bible class. Pastor Steve has been teaching at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida for over 25 years. If you missed the start of class today, you have another opportunity, and you can find it at our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen to the program again or sign up for our free podcasting service. That's versebyverseradio.org. You may also want to sign up for our complimentary newsletter while you're visiting the website. Today's class is the third part of a longer message on the Lord's Prayer. If you'd like to hear the entire message all at once, you can order a cassette or an audio CD. Just call us at 727 727- 727 Please leave your name and a number, and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. As we've already said, Jesus taught us to pray that God's name would be hallowed. How did Jesus apply that in his own life? We're about to find out now as we return to class. If you have your Bible with you, be ready to turn to John chapter 12. Now, here's Pastor Steve.
0: Now, I want you to see how Jesus applied this in his own life. Let's look at John chapter 12. Jesus certainly had no sin to pray about. Obviously, he's, he's perfect. But I want you to see how Jesus, in his own prayer life, hallowed the Father's name. In John chapter 12, verse 27. John twelve twenty seven. now my soul has become, he said, troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it. Now the Lord, th- this is speaking about the cross that he would be facing soon. But the Lord didn't ask the father to eliminate the suffering. He said, rather, Father, glorify your name in, in my suffering. And I realize, as I said, Jesus was referring to a suffering that you and I will never have. But in principle, it's, it's valid that when we are suffering and going through a very painful situation, our primary consideration should not be to have our pain relieved. As much as that's a valid desire, that ought not to be our primary consideration. Our first consideration should be for God to be glorified, whether the pain continues or it's taken away. So isn't that what the Lord said to to Paul when he said he prayed about the thorn in the flesh being taken away? And God said, no, 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 I'll be glorified in you. My grace is sufficient. So instead of growing bitter towards him, we hallow his name by trusting him. We pray and ask the Lord to hallow his name as we go through this suffering. Now, I said there were two types of people that we ought to be praying for who would hallow God's name. One would be ourselves, believers. But secondly, it's unbelievers, evangelistic praying. We should be praying for the lost, for rebellious, unsaved individuals to come to faith in Christ and thus be transformed from those who hate God to those who love God. Now, I assume that every believer here prays for the unsaved to be, to be saved. You all have people in either family or relatives or friends or coworkers who you're praying for. But perhaps our, our primary motivation in praying for them is because we want them to go to heaven rather than to go to hell for all of eternity. And you know what? That certainly is the, the right attitude. We, we certainly ought to have compassion to pray for the lost, that they would be saved from hell. Paul said to the Romans, he said, if it were possible, I'd, I'd, I'd be cursed and go to hell forever if my kinsmen, according to the flesh, would be saved. So that's admirable. That's right. But I don't believe that's the highest motivation in, in our prayers and in our desires. Remember what we looked at last week, John 14, and I related this to praying for my own mom's conversion. John 14 and verse 13, Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, meaning so that God would be glorified, then I'll I'll do it. So I told you last week, for years I had prayed for my mom's conversion, but but really my, my motivation for praying for her conversion, while it had some validity, I certainly didn't want her to die without knowing Christ. A lot of it had to do with me being more comfortable in life, that I would finally have an ally in the family. Life wouldn't be that hard on me. It would not be awkward when I saw their family members. And God used his word to convict me of that improper, selfish motivation. And so I began to change, and I repented, and I I began praying, Lord, would you be pleased to save my, my mother so that she would give you glory, so that one who never cared about you would now be praising you for all of eternity? Now, folks, I, I say that because I, I believe that that a lot of us pray for unsaved, but have never thought about why. That ought to be the highest motivation, and that and that fulfills the spirit of what Jesus was saying: pray to the Father, hallowed be your name. Not those words, but pray for others to hallow His name. You know what? That certainly motivated the Apostle Paul. When Paul came to Athens, remember it says in Acts 17, verse 16, it says he saw the idolatry of that city and says he was provoked, provoked. That means deeply disturbed. Paul was troubled. He was troubled because as he looked around that city, city of great culture, culture of philosophy, the arts, literature, the cradle of democracy, Paul was deeply disturbed because of their idolatry. Paul, Paul didn't see a city of culture, he saw a city of idols and it grieved him. And he was moved to preach the gospel even before his colleagues got there. That's what what moved Paul. Paul didn't see Athens as simply a city of lost people. He He saw it as a city in which God's name was not being hallowed by these lost people. And he preached the gospel and knowing Paul, the way he's revealed himself throughout his letters, we certainly can be confident that he would have prayed for these folks to be saved too, to turn from idolatry, to worship the one true God, not the God who was unknown, but the God they they could know. So what are you gonna do about this truth? Starting today, you need to make changes. You need to begin to pray for your own life to change. And it starts with your heart because Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 15, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. That word sanctify is very similar to hello. It starts with our own hearts. We need to pray for ourselves to give him praise. We need to pray for others who, who would give him praise and adoration and really know what it means to worship him and honor him. And we need to be praying for unbelievers to come to faith, to Christ, for the right motives. And if you're still not a believer, then I say to you something maybe a little different than we normally say. I say to you, you ought to come to Christ because he is the glorious God. You ought to come to him for his sake not primarily for you to escape from hell. You ought to come to him because he made you. He desires that you trust him. And you ought to come to him because he's worthy of all the praise and honor that you could possibly
1: give to him. When we pray that God's name would be hallowed, we're also expressing our desire to live holy lives and asking for his help because for Him to be honored, we need to honor Him ourselves. If you've never placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then that's the essential first step in bringing honor to Him. Then, at the same time, we're asking that the Spirit would move others to do the same. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class taught by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you're ever in the Clearwater area on a Sunday morning, we would love to meet you. Lakeside is located at 1893 Sunset Point Road. That is halfway between U.S. Highway 19 and the beach. If you would like to listen to today's class again, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. While you're browsing the website, we invite you to take a moment to sign up for our complimentary newsletter. If you want to have an audio CD or a cassette of the entire message, you can order it by calling 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a phone number, and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. We are so glad you could be part of our class today. There is still a lot more to learn about the Lord's Prayer. This short passage is a fantastic...